right, guys. Love, I love that music, that that intro so music. Beautiful. It is. It's one of those ones you can listen to just over and over. And the mood is set immediately. You're yeah. like, everybody get your seat. Yeah. It's time for Be Game quiet, of Be quiet, sit down, and let's... That, that title screen is just long enough to say, everybody stop what you're doing and gather. Yeah. Which we were, you know, kind of just talking about. We're losing those those times in life where we can gather together. Yeah, so, so, so Garrett and I were talking... And and we're gonna we're gonna get into the discussion of Game of Thrones, and we're gonna talk about you know what 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 our thoughts thoughts are on it, and um, where we think it's going, and where it's been, and so on. But right before, let's let's just talk touch on that real quick. So, <clears throat> I'm an '80s kid, same Gen X, and you made a comment, and go ahead and share what that just comment saying, was. Just think, I mean, my, my son is eight months old, um, and and I was just thinking. My son is never going to get the privilege and honor of of going with his dad and his mom to the video store to select that weekend's. We typically got to go on Fridays. That weekend's films. Yeah, we'd rent movies on Friday, and you had to get there early, or else the good ones would be gone. Right, so we get there like five, six, and and then you could you know you stroll down the aisle. My sister and I got to one of it. We got one each, mm. and so you know that pick was like. You had to think about it. What 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 do I want to spend my two hours watching? Yeah, and it would it could be anything. Sure, sure. We had as long and, as it wasn't R, and it was VHS, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> as long as it wasn't R, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So you had the VHS, and usually you had the box in front of it with maybe one or two if they were available. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Right, right behind it that you would grab. New releases it. have sometimes six or seven. Right, but but the 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 good ones that you know the oldie goldie kind of movies. Yep. You know, you maybe one copy, maybe two yep. at the most. Yeah. So, and I actually in college, I worked at a place called Blowout Video. Oh wow! This was in Richmond, Kentucky, and Garrett I, or uh, Hunter, and it, I'm curious to your thoughts on this as well. But in in Richmond, Kentucky, it was in the Walmart. So you know how Walmart's now they have like yeah. the subway or the yeah, bank. Yeah, yeah. So at this time, there was this. Um, it was a VHS rental video store called Blowout Video. And you do everything at Walmart. That's at that point they did. But I, I remember people would walk in and, and working behind the counter there. It was just me. It was one person working at a small little shop and, and people would come in and, and you'd have them say, uh, Hey, have you heard of that one movie that has this one guy who attacks the other person? Back and when there was no internet and IMDb, and so you actually had to puzzle it out with <laughs> yes. them. Yes. I'm like, are we talking a villain? Are we talking science fiction? Are we talking? But you that's know? why we're so good at the movies we are, is that's because right. we learned it like this. Like we had to remember the actors and the movies and the what they were in before and next, and you know what characters they played all along the way. Yep. It was the best part of of you know rehashing these movies with your friends on the weekend. Yeah, and believe it, it or not, I am not so young that I did not get to experience Blockbuster. Blockbuster really? was one of my favorite parts about being a kid. Oh, yeah. that that's good to hear. That's good I'm to glad hear. you got that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, when Captain Marvel came out, okay. Yeah. We know the block so recently. That's right. So the blockbuster movie scene that that yes. I think she came through the ceiling uh-huh. or something. And my son was watching it with me. And I said, remind me to tell you what that is, because to him, it's just another convenience it's store. A joke it's, completely missed. Yeah, it's like, what, what you know, what is that? And and that you're right. That's a joke completely missed. But for us, it's so nostalgic going back to that. The people, the '80s kids that were into this then, and were now are in the movie theater taking their children are all just that's right. That's that's a that's a tip of the cap to us. It is. 
It is. We live in a uh, on-demand world, I call it. And, you know, I didn't coin that, but but that's that's what it is. So on Friday nights, to your to your note, we as a family, the five of us, still have family movie night. You know, so we try awesome. to take advantage of that as our kids are still young enough to where we have, you know, they're not going out all the time with yeah. their friends yet. So Put we the do phones down. That's right. It's I mean, it doesn't have to be no electronics. It's more about like it's community let's come together. It's community as a family. That's right. The I was most even important thing. yesterday. So I, I was building an entertainment center and I, I have a bunch of movies that were sitting next to my old TV. And I was even thinking, like, I don't even use these anymore. Like yeah. My friend was like, you have this movie. And I was like. Well, yeah, but I've literally never taken it out of the packaging. It's all digital now. Everything is and digital. That in and of it's like three years ago, one of my favorite things was going out and buying the DVD That's when right. it came out, you know, out of the theaters. And yeah. don't even do that anymore. And and so what we would have to do when we would go to the blockbuster movies, <clears throat> we didn't have the option to see the trailer, right? So for family movie night, this past, uh, it was last night. We had it last night. We couldn't do it Friday night. <clears throat> so last night, the five of us are on the couch and I've got the Apple remote. I, we use the uh, Apple TV. So I'm going in, and nothing on Netflix looks appealing. So I'm like, well, let's see if there's any good rentals. So we're going down the the uh, iTunes, and of course you can tr- look at the trailer for every single movie. Well, let's watch the trailer. Let's watch the trailer. So the kids, let's watch the trailer. We must have watched like ten trailers, and finally, I, you know, my wife was like, pick one or we're done. You know, yeah, because that's thirty they, minutes of trailers at that. That's point. right. They would they would look at the trailer and say, uh, you know, oh. Whereas we would go to the the blockbuster video. And you don't have that luxury. You could read the back. That's you right. You could check out the pictures because I typically had about three. That's all, you, that, and that's all you could do. Yeah. And yeah. who's the actor on the front? Yeah. And hopefully it's a it's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, sometimes you did not choose wisely, that's as right. they say in Indiana. Indiana Jones. That's right. That's right. Well, guys, we're going to talk a little bit about Game of Thrones tonight, and uh, Garrett is just I have I have I had no idea to the extent. Uh, of the knowledge bank that this that this guy has with Game of Thrones, so we we are in for a treat well, of just learning um, about the origins of it. Uh, we're going to talk about the the seasons, kind of what we thought of uh, from the arc from beginning to end. We're going to talk quickly about how season eight wrapped up, and then kind of what the thoughts are on going forward. And then with the books with George R. R. Martin. Now, uh, in all fairness and disclosure, Hunter, you have not seen any of them, correct? I have not. I've just read all of the angry Twitter responses over the past week when it ended on last Sunday. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> so I, I tried to stay spoiler free all season eight, and so what I did because I don't have a an HBO subscription. Right. Um, each season, I would wait till they were done. Mm-hmm. I would get and the subscription it. and binge it. Beautiful. And then maybe just, the best way to watch it. I think so because then you're not disappointed. You can just get them. You know, you're just powerhousing through. Absolutely. Uh, if each, I weren't just so invested, I absolutely sure. would have done it that way. And that's how I do the vast majority of my shows. With this one, it was like I can barely wait till Saturday or till I mean till Sunday. I mean, I, everything about my week was thinking, "What's going to happen this week? Now, what can they do to this?" Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. I, I've yeah. been wondering this. So what was the thinking and the reasoning behind making it into a TV show and not a movie? Was it just because there was so much material that yeah. a movie wouldn't have been able to cover it? No, there's no several, chance several movie movies. They, they considered optioning it into a movie several times, and George basically turned them down and said, you can't, you can't do my work justice. There's no way you could possibly do my work justice. They were talking about a three- or four-part movie series, and George is like, I'm sorry, this is more than 10 hours. Okay. You could not do it in 10 hours. Yeah, and, and my thought first went to Tolkien when when you asked that question, and I thought that's a very possibly similar question that somebody may have asked, could you do this in a movie? 
Uh, Peter Jackson, obviously. He showed us it can be done. It can be done. But I think to the to the extent that these books were written with so many characters and development and, and everything going on, I think HBO did a good job um, with that. So, Garrett, that being said, walk me through first. I want to hear a little bit about your history when you started with Game of Thrones. Tell me a little bit about um, how that started and then let's just let's go from there so i was in uh my my english class i was in honors english with a kid named cody bertram and uh cody had a blue book out that was really big and i was like what is that and he said it's a storm of swords and i said swords i like swords tell me about swords and he said Mm. it's this really good fantasy book that you should probably this is 2003 that you should pick up and read because i love it and i was like you know i i was not totally sold on at that time. Uh, fast forward another six months or so, and I, I have a copy of it, and I'm just like, hey, I'll just read it. So I pick it up. I read. The, it's hard to get hooked on the books. The first two chapters are kind of rough, and then after that, it's just a roller coaster. Uh, if you can get to chapter three, you're just you start to get invested in the characters, mm-hmm. and then um, one of the first things that happened is uh, the castellan of Winterfell is a guy named uh, uh, Roderick Cassell. His son is a kid named Jory Cassell, who you're immediately endeared to because he's um, he grew up in Winterfell with the Stark kids. They all know him. He's kind of like their uncle Jory, right? But he's actually works for the Stark family, and his family has for generations. Jory dies in probably the first 150 pages of the book, and immediately you know this is not the kind of book I'm used to reading. Right. Like, they're willing to shatter hopes and dreams immediately. Early on, yeah. And uh, and so you knew you were in for a bit of a roller coaster. And then in the end of the first season, you, we all know Ned Stark and what happens. Right. And it's just, it's just uh, I did not realize that's what I was reading. Like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen next? So you had, so, so the way that I, I believe George R. R. Martin wrote, there were two years separating each of the books, if I'm correct. More than that. I, I don't know. And then, and I know they went to like four and then five and, and they started to space out more and more. I think there were like three or four years between book one and two. And then after that, there starts to be a period of almost like six to eight years between each one. Okay. And so it starts to get to the point where my buddy Cody and I have been really good friends. Every, you know, we talk about this all the time, every time we get together. And we're just always, the first conversation topic is, Still here waiting for the next book, eh? Right. You know, and right. that's how it's felt for I'm, the, almost the majority of my life now. Mm. I remember the only books that I was uh, eagerly anticipating were the Harry Potter books. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I remember the last one that I read. Which one, like every three-year kind of trajectory? It, exactly. And, and so I remember by the time I started it, oh, gosh, I was in my late 20s, I think, yeah. when I just picked up the first book. I thought, well, I'm just going to read one of these, hear what all the hype's about. And I read the first book. I plowed through it. Mm-hmm. And then the <clears throat> second one, third one, fourth one. Well, that was it at the time. Yeah. Goblet of Fire. And what do we and, do now? And Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Kind of like binge watching a TV show when you know it has more seasons. You're yes. like, yeah. uh, now I'm addicted and there's no more left to consume. Yep. And and at that point, I remember you know, uh, trying to check every news article and blog and when's the fifth book coming out. So I, I kind of yeah. know what that feeling's like. Um, obviously we didn't have to wait that long for, for, uh, JK Rowling to, to wrap that story up. But, um, <clears throat> with the series now, we talked earlier in the, in Cameron's show, um, that George R. R. Martin is going to continue the books, right? Yeah. 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 He's, uh, he's still got, so he initially said that he was going to do 
I, as far as I had heard, there were going to be three more books. So he just put out uh, Dance with Dragons. That's the seventh one. That's the fifth book. Fifth book. Fifth okay. book. Okay, so then the, the sixth book is, is Winds of Winter. Okay. That one is widely rec- – everyone knows that, that that's what we're waiting on. We're just waiting on a publishing date. He submitted it apparently to the publishers. They are doing critiques, and they're going to send it back to him. It's kind of a process that he goes through, that right. he goes through with every book. Sure, sure. But more specifically than I think most authors do. Um then what they were supposed to do, I thought, was do uh, a dream of spring after that, and then a song of summer, and it was going to kind of wrap up, kind of like um, I, I, I got the feeling it was going to kind of be like Lord of the Rings with kind of an Annie Lick send off, you know, that kind of thing with this beautiful last book about how I love the world the turns to out. Annie Lennox, if anyone yeah. gets that, that's yeah. great. And uh, it, it's it, he has since said that he's not doing Song of Summer. Dream of Spring will be the last book. So I think he's just going to do it all in one big compendium, giant novel. I think A Dream of Spring is maybe going to be his big, biggest one page-wise. page, book, page wise, It's going to be his biggest book ever. I wonder if he's just tired or maybe he just knows how to wrap it up. I think if he's tired of anything, well, if he's tired of anything, I would think it'd be the fans. Um, yeah. Let me let me tell you a little more about my story with the sure. books. Yeah. So after my junior year uh, and learning about these books, I got into college um, and uh, I ended up going to a party one night, and I met this girl at this party who is now my wife. And uh, the way we met was she was playing guitar and singing a song that I liked, and then we got to kind of striking up conversation, and uh, we got to talk about books. And I said, well, what, you know, what are you into? And she said, I love this book series. You probably haven't heard of it, but it's called A Song of Ice and Fire. And that was it. You knew at that point. Immediately, I'm like, <laughs> I told there was another guy who was like kind of, kind of yeah. hacking on her. Yeah. And I said, hey, uh, Chris, uh, it's over. All right, you go to the other room, and I'm telling you right now, it's it's over for you. We we got something going on. So from then on, that became part of our relationship as well. Um, about four years after that, uh, George announced that on his Not A Blog, which is his infamous, he does a blog that's called Not A Blog. Okay. And he announced that HBO had optioned his books as a show. So we were obsessed with it, so we decided, you know, we would love to go on this book tour with him because he was going to go on this book tour around Ireland to discuss that. And so I, I said, you know, this is an amazing once in a lifetime kind of trip. We got to do it. Well, I was in the fan club, right? George's George R. Martin's fan club. It's, it was at the time it was called brother who without banners. I'm not sure what it's called now. Uh, it's kind of too big for me to be involved, but, right. um, Anyway, so his wife Paris uh, was in the was in the club, and I knew her pretty well through the club. Uh, so I reached out to her and I said, "Listen, um, there's this girl that I really would like to marry, and uh, I don't know when the opportunity is going to come up. And I've always, you know, I, I, every guy gets nervous about how you're going to ask and that kind of thing." And I mm-hmm. said, "You know, I'm a I'm a reach for the stars kind of guy, and if I see an opportunity, I'm going to jump on it." And in this case, I said, "Paris, is there any chance that George would be willing to help me with my proposal?" And she said, "Listen." I'll talk to George about it. I don't see any problem with it. If he's okay with it, we'll do it. Okay, let me interrupt. Geographically, where are you and where are they at this They live point? in New Mexico. Okay. Uh, both Paris and George live are in New Mexico. You, and where are you at this point? I'm in Kentucky. You're still, okay. Yeah. And uh, but we're in the same we're in the same fan club. We communicate right. through the forums, which are the old school like yeah, the BB you know, boards, yeah, the, the BB boards, boards. Yep. exactly. And so um, so we've talked a lot. And so she goes to George, asks George, would you be willing to do this? She sends me a message back, says, George says he'll do it. You show up to Ireland, you're good. So we got. I got my plane tickets to Ireland. I went and bought a ring. Um, we go to Ireland. Turns out George has, has scheduled the casting party for Ireland in Belfast. 
right? We were planning on going on a book tour with him across Ireland. We were not planning on a cast party. We were not planning on being in an HBO show. Long story short, um, I end up at the cast party for season one after they had filmed episode one only. Oh, they wow. hadn't finished the season yet. Um, they had just ca- shot episode one, and they were going to end up having to reshoot it. Uh, but we didn't know that at the time. Well, George gets up and makes some announcements about how this show might be successful. They don't know. You know, it's been optioned. It's been greenlit for at least one and maybe two seasons. Um, And then he turns over the floor to me, and I get to ask her to marry me in front of every single actor that you know. um, Is this somewhere documented? Like, was it on YouTube? It's on YouTube. It's under GRRM Belfast Moot on YouTube. Um, and you can see me ask her in front of, you know, Ron Donahue, the guy from Titanic, who is, he's plays the captain of the Titanic. Yeah. Um, he came over and, sh- and, and he basically took my wife aside and bought her drinks all night and toasted her all night. And then I went off with Rob Stark and me and Rob just hung out all night and we just had the most incredible time. Uh, it's, it's still surreal to even talk about. Um, but so I've been just just to plug that into. I have been invested in this in a way that I can't even explain yeah. since 2003, and to see it all brought home, I loved the show at the beginning. It was just so good, um, and then it took a twist towards the end. But that's maybe jumping ahead of the game in terms of what we're talking about. All right. So so to me, from what I from what I've heard, <clears throat> and I have not read the series of books as you have, um, but. You know, as a as a fan of Game of Thrones, as a fan of science fiction, of fantasy, of yeah, of, this is a big leap forward for fantasy. People don't huge, realize, you know, huge. they did not option they optioned Game of Thrones at the very beginning, saying we think it's going to fail because we don't think there's a market for fantasy. Yeah, and then they were also talking about the CGI budget. They were just talking about how much money they would have to do in post edits on the end. And I I get it, but I was like, there is definitely an audience for this books, guys. Yeah, you don't realize how much of an audience there is. Yeah, and 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 you know, to that. What they what they did with I remember watching the very first episode and it was just like you said you're hooked yeah you know, from episode one they you, find those wolf pups that's right the the dire wolves right yep and uh, um, but you can see when the books are done yeah how the writing changes it's and, such a cliff and it's... you you had a great uh, analogy uh. It, you know, I'm going to ask you to kind of give that analogy again. Uh, well, I mean, I think that I can think of a lot of them, but one that immediately came off my head was it's like when you, you that, like uh, Glass, there was this famous Washington Post reporter named Glass who plagiarized all these writings for, for years. And people thought of him as just the best writer. He's just the best writer in America. And then he, they found out he was plagiarizing. And then afterwards he was like, guys, it wasn't all plagiarism. Listen, I can write a great article. I'm, I'm really that talented. I'm really that talented. And then he starts to, he tries to write other articles and people are reading it like, what is this drivel? <laughs> this is the worst stuff I've ever read. And that's exactly what it was like for me. It was like they fell off a cliff. It was just, you had source material up until this point, And we know exactly when that point was because yeah. that's when it gets <clears throat> that's it. nonsense. Yeah. And you see that, you see that. So, yeah. um, so I went through, I think, oh, I took a break from seasons. I finished season f- five or six, and I took a break. They had already done season seven, and then when I heard that they were wrapping up with season eight, I was like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and pick back up season seven. I watched season seven, and then I finished, I think it was last week, binged the the season eight. Yeah. And 
I, I think I was texting you guys as I was yeah. how many episodes in. I'm like, number one, I can't even see anything. It's yeah. so dark. What they say on uh, YouTube, so somebody said uh, five shades of sunglasses, five pairs. It was like you're watching it with five pairs of sunglasses on. Yeah. You almost have to like, <laughs> you, you're turning your brightness up on the TV or what? I tried. Yeah. It, well, it didn't do anything. It I, could not help it. No. And, and that was, yeah, that's disappointing. I was like, okay, I know we're going for a night fight, but you know, let's let's help us out a yeah. little bit with something. Um, kind of a Band of Brothers effect thing in the dark there. Yeah. You, I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not just confused. I'm irritated because I can't see anything. That's right. It became an irritation. It became an irritation. And then, uh, you know, just the incredible change. Let's just talk about um, Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah. She goes from... You know, I think somebody I could get behind. Absolutely. That that could a be a champion to a butchering tyrant. You know, I don't know that that's really far afield from where the books are headed, if I'm being honest with you. Okay. Um, she, you know, they, 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 they said it only in a hundred times in the TV show that when a coin is flipped, you know, every time a Targaryen is born, a coin is flipped. And you don't know if it's going to land heads or tails, T- heads being a gr- one of the best rulers ever, tails being a complete and total madman. And that has to do with a lot of their inbreeding because Targaryens marry one another. So I did not know that. Yeah, all Targaryens marry their either sister, brother, or cousin. Oh, gosh. Um, and, and, and it's because to keep the lineage pure, they have very distinct features. They have purple eyes and silver hair. Mm. Um, and they, you know, and that, that's not really played up as much. Um, but it, that's, that's what they do. And no other family in Westeros does that. Um, they come from Valyria. So they have a very different view of how this is supposed to go. And they're also, they're not a ruling class in Valyria when they left Valyria, but they have dragons. So when they come over to Westeros, they easily conquer this place. And they're like, you know, we were peons back in Valyria, but we're, uh, we're the ruling class now. Yeah. So we're gonna, you know, we're gonna intermarry because we're the only ruling class. So you think that the, that the story arc for her is is possibly going to f- stay with I think it the may books. come to fruition uh, okay. just that same exact way. I think that there's a lot of I think it's going to be more subtle in the books than it was clearly than it was in the TV show. Um, but she's had some moments of descent into madness. Um, first of all, you know, the uh, Miri Mazduel is the name of uh, she was in the TV show I believe as well where she where where um, after Khal Drogo dies, she tells her, you're going to be barren. You're never going to uh, have any more kids. Okay. Um, and then there's also Pyat Pri, who's this high priestess um, who basically gives her some fortunes and is putting some some sorcery out there. That And, and the way she responds to it, you kind of see... Uh, you kind of see hints of what she may end up becoming. And she clearly has the monster in there. It's just a matter of if she can contain it. Mm. Um, I think that that's a lot of what the Targaryens are, is they're trying to deal with their own inner demons the entire time. And, uh, you know, Rhaegal is, well, Rhaegon is, uh, you know, that that's part of his thing, is he's he's found chi in his, in his, in his, you know, in being a Targaryen, he's the poet king essentially to be, and then he dies. And now, this is the one that gets uh, that dies by Khal Drogo, correct? Yeah, Rhaegar yeah. Targaryen. Yeah, right. he's uh, I call him Rhaegar a second ago. Sorry, about that. Um, he yeah he he gets killed by King Robert, and that's that Robert's rebellion is against his family, and Rhaegar was probably going to be one of the best kings of all time, and as we know now, major spoiler alert, um, he's the father of Jon Snow. Uh, right. And so that's that's kind of where you get the he was the true king. He was supposed to be the true king. And his son is every bit the true king. John is the epitome of who you'd want in a ruler, a person who doesn't want to be a ruler. 
So catch me up quickly. Who Jamie Lannister is the Kingslayer? What king did he kill? Who, who, who Mad King Eris is the king. He, so that would be Rhaegar's father. Father. Yes. So Daenerys. So he was the king at the time when when Robert's Rebellion started. So Robert's Rebellion started because you get a piece of this in the show, is that Brand Brandon Stark and and his father went from Winterfell, who Brandon Stark being the older brother of right. of Eddard, Ned, um, went south because they had some grievances with the crown, um, and so they went south to go talk to the to Mad King Eris about their grievances. And instead of listening to their very reasonable grievances, he instead burned them alive in their armor um, oh. by hoisting them up in a, in a, one of those uh, bird cages kind of things mm-hmm. and literally burning them alive in it. And so they roasted. Well, actually, the father choked himself to death trying to get to his son who was roasting alive in the armor. It's one of the most tragic things you ever read. But basically, that starts Robert's Rebellion because Mad King Eris tells... Um, uh, uh, John Aris or Aaron, he tells John Aaron, I want, who is tutoring Ed Stark and uh, Robert Baratheon at the time, says, "Give me those children, give me them, because they are children of of rebel, you know, re- the rebellion." Right. Um. And so, and I want to kill them. And John Aaron says, "No chance, zero chance that that's going to happen. Um, you're not going to exterminate two of our most powerful families." So that starts the John Aaron, uh, King Robert Baratheon, and uh, and Edward Stark start Robert's Rebellion, and it's an enormous war that lasts, you know, somewhere around seven to ten years, and uh, and that's where you see all these events from, like the uh, like the, the the battle of the Trident when Rhaegar is killed, to you you got to see, um, you know, the 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 battle up at the uh, uh, Tower of Joy where Jon is born, you know, that oh, yeah. is all part of it. It's all part of Robert's Rebellion. Okay, so oh, good history lesson there. Yeah, yeah. So, so let me ask you this: um, Season eight, uh, favorite character throughout season. I'm sorry, not season eight, but season one through season eight. Who would you say one of your favorite character builds are? I don't. I don't know. There's a lot that I like, so it's really difficult to narrow it down. I think that in terms of accuracy, we talked about the Hound earlier in Cameron's right. show. I think the Hound is the mo- one of the most spot on characters ever. Rory McCann, the actor for that nailed yeah, that he role. He killed he, it. He must have read the books. It's too accurate to not have read the books. Yeah. Um, Sander is so close. Tormund Giantsbane is another one that is really close to the character in the books. That is exactly how he is. Um, so I like both of those characters a lot. Um, I thought Beric Dondarrion was kind of... Uh, I, I, I wish he'd had a better, you know, death and outgoing. I, I love Beric Dondarrion. He's one of my favorite characters. He's the one that saves Arya in the win- Battle of Winterfell. He gets stabbed a bunch of times and goes yep. down. Um, you know, there's a lot of characters in there that I like that probably aren't... Most of my favorite characters are not main characters. Okay. Yeah. Supporting characters yes. there. Yeah, I would say that my... Um, Tyrion. Oh, man. Tyrion. Yeah, no, Tyrion killed it. I think he got a couple Emmys. He deserves them. Yeah. George said when he wrote the books, he was thinking of Peter Dinklage in that role. And then Peter Dinklage later played the role, which is just an amazing dream come true for him. And then he played it just to a point, to a degree that you just, yeah, you you deserve the Emmy. You deserve every Emmy they ever made. It's just so good. It's yeah. so perfect to the character. And you feel for him. You empathize it for him. And George R. R. Martin has always said, I wrote, I wrote Tyrion Lannister as me. He hmm. is George R. R. Martin personified in a character. Uh, in the way he wants to see himself. Oh wow! I think. Okay. Um, and so you know, there's a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of wit, a lot of drinking, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's kind of how George sees himself. He mm-hmm. sees himself. That's kind of the, 
like the early tw- late twenties, early thirties version of, of George R. R. Martin. I heard that there is a uh, petition going around to have them reshoot season eight. If ever there was a time to do it, this might be it. I <laughs> yeah. th- when I hear that, I'm just thinking millions of dollars, hundred million dollars on this last they, season, maybe three hundred for the last three. They won't do it. No chance. No zero chance. No, there's no chance of that. But if there was going to be a show to reshoot. It is clearly this one, and I wish they would wait until George. You think about the money there. If George finished all the books, and then they went back, and I wouldn't even care if they got a new cast. Just reshoot from season five on, right? Or I mean, well, I guess yeah, I guess five, six, seven, and eight. But but to that, even if they did that, that would just discredit the producers. I think of of saying you guys. You know, you blew it. It's almost like asking George Lucas, "Hey, can can we have J.J. Abrams go back and do episodes one, two, and three maybe instead he of should. he? He absolutely should. You know, to a certain degree, I don't care how discredited they get. They gave up on the show uh, to go direct Star Wars, as far as I can tell. Well, that um, kind of worries me. I mean, I don't know if I, um, I like. Let me say this: I like Dan Weiss a lot. He wrote the original manuscript for Halo which was supposed to be made into the movie and then got canceled. And everybody says that that manuscript was really good. Mm. You know, the way that I, I'm a fan of Spartan 117, and it would have been an incredible journey, I think, with him on it. David Benioff, as I've told you, I think, before, is the guy that brought us X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. He's the guy who, who brought us that version of Deadpool. Um, the, the man has no, like, no credibility with me whatsoever. I read his only written book, which is called, like, City of Thieves or something like that. It's terrible. It's just terrible. So you got to wonder, how does a guy like that get the reins of, I don't know. of something this epic and this this large? I don't know. I think they just went in and pitched it. I think they just said, we can write this. We're, we're Hollywood writers, and we can pitch it. Also, Amanda Peet is, is David Benioff's wife. Okay. And she's easily more popular than him and more famous than sure. him. Sure. Um, so me, she may have had some influence on that. Yeah, um, I'm surprised I didn't put her in the show. Yeah. Now that you, I didn't even know that basically had her as a, on standby. She's one of the best actresses I know of and she didn't get a role. So, I don't get it. So if I, if I compare this again, I'm going back to, to the, an, an epic book series, Tolkien. Okay. Made into film. Uh, Peter Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. This is a per- this is an individual, sim- a man who infinitely respected the story. similar to you yeah. with George R. R. Martin's history in these books, who who literally knew them inside and out, yeah. going back to the Silmarillion and understanding yeah. the history of the of the deep ages, dive. deep dive. And this is a guy who who would say, "I can take this, and you can trust me with it." Yeah, right. So I will I'll boil it down appropriately. Right. He got rid of, I mean, I was discouraged. I've said, brought this up so many times now, but he got rid of Tom Bombadil. I love Tom Bombadil. He's a very, very minor character, but I think an important one in terms of the progression of the Hobbits. Right. Um, and, and in terms of them accepting their role and what they're supposed to do. And, you know, cuts had to be made. Sa- big sacrifices had to be made. And yeah. he made, in my opinion, all the appropriate ones. Yeah, he, no, no, no. He, he translated those books to film beautifully and and he won an oscar for um it won best picture uh return of the king yeah you know and deserved it it was amazing so so here's my question which which kind of um circles th- this comment around were the two producers of game of thrones as vested in the books and the history as jackson was to tolkien or you to George R. R. Martin, are these two individuals who said, "Look, you can trust us with these. We know how to do it," or did they mess up because they thought they could continue on with the writing after they ran out of books? I, 
I'm reluctant to say this in a little bit, but I, I don't I don't think so. I think that they um I think they saw a gold mine when they when they had it. I think they realized they had a gold mine. I don't I don't know that David Benioff even read the books. I really don't. I assume he has just because he has to. He has to of, probably. But I don't know how much attention he really paid. I I think he kind of just skim read. I I believe Dan Weiss probably read the entire thing and probably got into some theories and then they got into some hashing out some fan theories. I mean, they had to give George. There's you know George R. R. Martin infamously said that he gave them the the job when he had he had them explain who is John's parents at a at a dinner table meeting with them and they explained it. They got it. But then again, they could have gotten on any message board forum right. in, on the internet and discovered that in 20 minutes. Right. That, like, that That's too easy of a question. It is. It's just too easy. Like, tell me who your favorite minor character is and explain why. And give me a house that nobody knows about and what's important. And about. that's the question. That, that would have been kind right. of questions I would ask. The appropriate one to say, yeah. are you are you trustworthy to take these books? Yeah. These, this story? Who are the Kranig men? And, and translate that. it. That's right. That's right. um, and there just weren't tough questions like that, as far as I can tell. And so I just think they realized that they had a gold mine, and then you know, and that was it. They just said, "Oh my gosh, people don't realize what this is, and we've got to jump on it right now." What if we get George on the phone and we say, "Hey, we'll make this," and we option it to HBO? You know, it was in the same um, class of shows as it was up for the up at the same time as Treme and Boardwalk Empire, mm. and all three of those shows got greenlit at the same time. Treme got made first. And then uh, Boardwalk Empire got made second, and then Game of Thrones afterwards. And uh, you know, they—I think they thought HBO is out of content with the end of Sopranos and the end of Deadwood and the end of all these other Band of Brothers and all that. It's time for a new era in television. Right. And we have a golden. It's kind of like me jumping on the opportunity to have him engage. You know, to do the sure. engagement. They saw an opportunity and they jumped on it. It's lightning they in the didn't bottle. Realize what kind of a commitment. It really was. And these fans are rabid. It, I mean, it's, it's, it, there's no pleasing them to a certain degree. And I think that that wore on them really quickly is that they were just tired of the criticism mm. and tired of being second guessed all the time. And, you know, people were getting mad about, uh, I don't even remember who the kid is. The Hunter, maybe you can help me out with this. The, uh, the red haired guy who plays guitar acoustic. He was in episode oh, season uh, five. Um, I know who you're, t- uh, yeah. I know exactly I who you're talking Ed about. Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yeah. A lot of people, including me, were really upset about that because it's not in the books. That scene is not in the books. It was a useless cameo for a, I mean, you maybe you want to humanize the Lannisters. They're not supposed to be humanized. Mm. Uh, you know, like we didn't need it. And it was just a superfluous cameo that seemed to be just about getting Ed Sheeran in on the set just to drive up the popularity. And we're just like, we Why? Don't, we don't need that. Right. We are fans of this show because it's good, not because you have Ed Sheeran. So I have to just quickly parallel that <clears throat> to when I first heard that Samuel Jackson was going to be in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I remember thinking, as Mace Windu. <clears throat> and and I, I, I remember, and I went and saw it, and I thought, I'm not seeing, I'm, I'm seeing Samuel Jackson. Yeah. You know? And why did they do that? Why? So I'm not trying to sidetrack this conversation, but yeah. I, you got to wonder if, if it's, well, we have a built-in audience for this character. You know, it might spike ratings. It might get more ticket sales. Ace Windu was immensely popular even before they, I mean, you had to have a, right. a high-class actor to fill that role because we all know he was, you know, a Jedi master. He's yeah. one of two right. elite Jedi masters. And I don't I th- remember what their echelon is called. I think they, Yoda I, and him. I don't remember what they're called. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I. I think just Jedi Master. I thought. Yeah, I thought that Qui Gon was actually Jedi Jedi Master too. And there's like the the Council of Masters, you know, with like. uh, uh, anyway, I think you're right. Moving on, I think yeah. they have a special designation. Yeah. That I don't remember the name of. But Uh-oh. but I I like that they took a chance with John Boyega and they you know it's it's like if if you want to fill a a character you know let's let bring bring somebody new in and, yeah. and like uh, Daisy, Daisy Ridley cast them yeah like Jon Snow did uh, the, the, the Kid Harrington the guy that played Jon Snow yeah he was a stage actor before this he was in uh, War Horse which is a, a I love War Horse play That's a... on Broadway. Oh, I thought it was a Spielberg movie. It was movie. turned into a Spielberg gotcha. movie. Okay, okay. Um, but that was all he had done to that point. Right. That was it. Uh, Alfie Allen had been in nothing. Uh, the guy that played that played Rob Stark, uh, Richard Madden, had been voted Scotland's best-dressed man and had been in a couple of soap operas, I believe. None of these people were famous, and that's what's beautiful about it. We have no context for any of them. Well, you know, the only one I think Sean was famous Bean and Peter Dinklage, but I mean, that was Sean Bean. That's yeah. the, those were the two that brought the star. But those are very important characters <laughs> with a lot of depth, and you have to have an accomplished actor who can play something like that immediately. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100. Yeah. Um, percent But I, I, I don't know. I think this is it's Hollywood. It's it's how they it's how they build it. It's who knows what happens behind the curtain uh, for shows like these, but. Uh, to see season eight wrap up, um, I think the consensus is there's a lot of disappointment. I think there's a lot of um, avenues that they could have taken. And then we were talking earlier that uh, even George R. R. Martin said that he would have liked to have seen seasons nine, 10, 11, possibly 12. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. He said he said we could have gone to episodes tw- or seasons 12 and 13. And 12 and 13. To to- talk to David and Dan about why we didn't do that. Yeah, to stretch that out. He literally threw them under the bus in that interview. And I think he's angry about it. He's just sitting here saying, look what you've done to my property when I, he has passed on so many people who have asked to be involved in this project and he trusted them with this material. He said, I'm giving you what basically the sum total of my life and it is in your hands to do with as you will. And they said, you know, we're really too busy to give you more seasons. (laughs) If I were George, I'd throw them under the bus and then stomp on them. Does does huge spoiler alert <clears throat> coming right now? Does Daenerys die by John's hand in the books? Well, it's not written yet. Okay, so we don't know. We don't know if she's still. She hasn't met John yet in the books. Hunter's looking at me like I have no idea what you're talking about, but that's all right. Yeah. It's so disappointing, Hunter, so when there, you see this scene. Uh, another another piece that's missing. Uh, there there is a child known as Aegon Aegon Targaryen, uh, who is not Jon Snow. There is a an, another supposed Targaryen who is alive, who is on the boat. Um, you know, it, 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 it kind of getting into the weeds here. You need to kind of go read some of this material on the internet. But in the books, he comes he comes back to Westeros as well. Um, and he's he's in Westeros uh, with a guy named John Connington, another guy who's not in the in the show. Um, and that's all going on right now in the books. And it's just very fascinating because there's so many more players in the Game of Thrones in the in the in the in the books than are in the show. And those players matter in storylines. Right. A lot. Right. Um, we were talking about Victorian Greyjoy, a guy who's missing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There, I could just keep going on the list. But I, I what I've said is that. This season was just done complete injustice uh, in every in every sense. It's militarily, it's nonsense. Acting is just not great. They should have shot some of those scenes over again. 
the darkness, uh, you know, we, we dragons getting shot out of midair from a thousand yards away when they can't see the boats, but the boats can apparently see them. Yeah, it's just one ridiculous thing after another, and I, I, I've said this earlier in in Cameron Show, and I'll say it here: this is going to go down in history as possibly the worst. The, the worst television ending in the history like, ever. It even beats Seinfeld's ending. I, I, I mean, it, I don't think there's even anything that compares to it. I, I, I think, I think you are you are right on almost every single account of of what you what what we've talked about. Um, I wish I had read. I think I'm going to go back and you read should. and I reread. Would encourage everybody to read the books. Yeah, just because it's so much richer, so much more beautiful, less nudity. <laughs> and uh, and you, you, the the richness of these characters comes alive more. And what's in your imagination, they can never take away. Right. So just because they wrote some nonsense ending, what's in my head and what's happening in my world is so much more vibrant and beautiful than anything they could have written or half written. So we'll pick this back up, uh, uh, Garrett, after I finish the series. So I'll, I'll start it. and uh, Please, yeah. please. And that way we can have some more uh, discussion about Game of Thrones. Absolutely. So, guys, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode on uh, the review Game of Thrones. Thanks to Garrett. Thanks to Hunter. And uh, we'll see you next time.